Hallelujah. Palm Sunday. We're going to go right into the message this morning because I believe that there's a lot to be said and a lot to cover on Palm Sunday. Oftentimes, you guys know that I get kind of a little bit excited, but yes, children are dismissed to head down to Children's Chapel. And uh, I always forget that, but I think everybody kind of knows the routine now. Uh, just your pastor doesn't after 12 years. I'm losing it, I guess. I don't know. 47 this week. Praise the Lord. Made it another year. And uh, every day is a blessing from God. I get up, bow my head, put my face in the carpet, and say, Thank you, Lord. I made it through the night. And so I hope each and every one of us can say that. And our time on this earth is not over till the Lord takes us home. And so I, I love that what we're doing, we've been going through the seven sayings on the cross. And what I'm going to do is just kind of tell you that even though we've been discussing the se seven sayings of Jesus Christ from the cross, let me just tell you this morning that we're going to hit two of them very quickly because I know that it's Palm Sunday, but I said I'm not going to waver from it because if it wasn't for those profound sayings that Jesus Christ spoke on the cross, I believe there's been so much meaning. Have you learned something from the Word of God? Have you learned something from the words that were spoken from the cross? And I know for myself, even in my own personal uh, time with just me and the Lord, I know what the Lord has done for me and how He has convicted me and just some of the phrases... You know, Eli, Eli, lama sabachthani, my God, my God, why hast thou forsaken me? Even though we were away on vacation and Pastor T spoke on that, one of the things that for me, it's always it's that separation. How many of you can give me a wave and say this? I've been in that, that moment where I feel like, where's the Lord? He has forsaken me. We've been there. And oftentimes I see people go through that through hardship, through death. They'll say, you know, why is God putting me through this? Why is he putting through some of the health issues that I have, some of the things that I'm going through? But God is not intimidated. And you heard me say that he loves you and he wants you to go to him. And so this morning as we look at the scriptures, I love that as this time as we embark upon this week, there was Jesus. He's up on that mountaintop and all of a sudden he tells the guys to go ahead and set things up for him because there's going to be a great parade that's going to take place. And so everybody grabbed their palm leaves, and as he came through, and they threw down their coats, and they threw down their palm leaves, they started saying, Hosanna, Hosanna, blessed is he who comes in the name of the Lord, which means God is with us. God saves us. And so we realized that he was coming to save his people. You say, well, pastor, I've heard that over and over and over and over. I love saying it. God sent his only son, Jesus, so that we could be saved. God didn't... He didn't bring uh, Baal. He didn't bring the little fat dude with earrings sitting there every time you walk into a Chinese restaurant. That's not getting us to heaven. That's false idols. He brought his son, Jesus Christ, for he is the way, he is the truth, and he is the life. And so this morning, as, as I, I just want you to know, as we embark upon, as we conclude, and I know Good Friday's coming up. Don't want to miss that, that service. It's always a, a beautiful time as... Pastor T said, but I want you to know that it'll be a time that will be encouraging. But today as we finish up the seven sayings that Jesus made on the cross, we will look at the context of the story of God's love for us, our need for him and his plan to redeem us as we see the heart of our Savior from a different perspective. Yes, we encourage often and we say, you know what, I'm, I'm preaching a message on, you don't want to miss this as we went through the series on misfits. But I want you to also know that, that through this, I love this time for God convicts me as I look at the life of Christ and I don't want you to forget what he's done for us. 
the first phrase that he said in Luke chapter 23, verse 34. Father, forgive them. So Christ gave us that example of forgiveness. Then he went in today. Today you will be with me in paradise. It's never too late for God's mercy and grace, is it? And then also he said, woman, behold your son. And then he said, John, here is your mother. We looked in John chapter 19. And that's where Christ demonstrated his compassion in the midst of our pain. And all of a sudden, they're embarking upon three hours of darkness. And he says, my God, my God, why have you forsaken me? As Christ was abandoned so we might be adopted. And last week you heard me say, I am thirsty. For Christ experienced thirst on the cross, so ours might be quenched. And today we look at the two other ones, and we'll, I'll quickly go into that. In John chapter 19, verse 30, you're more than welcome to turn there if you would with me. John chapter 19, verse 30, and all I'm going to expound on is this, the three words, it is finished. It is finished. The Greek word actually means to commit, com complete, execute, or conclude. So we realize that Jesus Christ was on the cross, and when he said it is finished, it was paid in full. It implies a process, but looks upon the process as having reached a consummation and existing in a completed state. It is finished and remains finished. It signifies the successful end to a particular course of action. The action happened in the past, but the result, results are still effective today. It's the word you use when many of us that are working so hard try to pay off that mortgage or you try to pay off your car. It's the word you use when, gra when you graduate from high school or you graduate from college. It's the word you use when you finish a race. The word means more than I reached the end. It means I did exactly what I set out to do. Isn't that amazing? So Jesus knew when he went to the cross, he went out and he did what he went out to do. He finished. And how many of us have to say that we have not finished what God's called us to do? We sit in the chair every week and we sit and we hold on to it and we say, I am not surrendering. I am not going to live my life for Christ. And yet, I'll know you'll leave here today, you'll get on your knees and you'll say, Lord, why is this going on in my life? I cry out for favor. I cry out, Lord, that you will just bless us. But he went out to finish exactly what he set out to do. This was not the despairing cry of a helpless martyr. It was not an expression of satisfaction that the end of his suffering was now reached. It was not the last gasp of a worn-out life. No, it was the declaration on part of the divine Redeemer that all for which he came from heaven to earth to do was now done. That all which was needful to reveal the glorious character of God had now been accomplished. That everything necessary for the putting away of the sins of his people providing for them a perfect standing before God, securing for them an eternal inheritance and lifting them for it. And he said, all had been done. 
Spirit says. Isn't it amazing that as we look at the seven saints on the cross, how many of you guys know this? Someone will be talking to you and all of a sudden you remember all the, uh, they, they say all these things, you're, you're talking for two hours, but there's one profound statement that they might and you'll remember it, remember it, remember it, remember it, remember it. And isn't it amazing that every time we think of Jesus dying on the cross for our sins, many of us, we don't go back to, I thirst. We don't go back to, it says, woman, behold thy son. John, behold your mother. Why is that? We go back to the place that has direct correlation for what he did for us. It is finished. And so we realized that it was completed. We realized that at that moment that so much took place. And so all the, all the while as, uh, let's see, I'm 37 years old. I was saved at 9, 38 years, whatever, 36, 37, 29, 28, 30, 38. Okay, so 38 years that I've known Jesus Christ as my Lord and Savior. My work on this earth is not done. I cannot say it is finished. Neither can you say it is finished because you know what? The church needs you. God needs you. He needs you to do the work. He needs souls to be saved and lives to be changed. And we can only do that by continuing to proclaim that it is finished. Because he said to his disciples, don't forget, there's hope in the cross. Amen. Christ paid my debt in full. Beautiful. Let's pray. Our precious Heavenly Father, Lord, we love you. We thank you, Father, for your word this morning. Father, we thank you that, Lord, we can open up your word and and have clarity. Lord, help me to express and to explain the next phrase that was on the cross. Father, and I just pray that as, as we move forward this morning that our hearts will be open and receptive and if there's somebody here that does not know you as Lord and Savior, that they will take that next step. Maybe for some, they need to come forward for baptism. Whatever it might be, Father, Lord, just tug on their hearts. Help them to surrender. Speak to them right now in the name of Jesus. And in your son's name we pray. Amen. Really? So here we are in the seventh and final statement from the cross. Open up your Bibles, if you would, please, to Luke chapter 23, 44 through 46. Was Lincoln's birthday actually yesterday? Did he actually? It's Tuesday. So the little dude is going to be turning one. See what God did for both of you? He not only gave you one, but he gave you three. Praise the Lord for four, five, and six. Grandpa and Grandma can appreciate that as well. (laughs) It was now about the sixth hour, and darkness came over the whole land until the ninth hour. For the sun stopped shining. And the curtain of the temple was torn in two. Jesus called out with a loud voice and he said, Father, into your hands I commit my spirit. Father, into your hands I commit my spirit. When he had said this, he breathed his last. And if you'll notice in the scriptures, it says he gave up the ghost. Matthew 27, if you'll turn, turn back there, Matthew, Mark, it's the first book in the Gospels there. Matthew chapter 27, verses 50 through 53. 
says, And when Jesus had cried out again in a loud voice, he gave up his spirit. At that moment, the curtain of the temple was torn in two from top to bottom. The earth shook and the rocks split. The tombs broke open and the bodies of many holy people who had died were raised to life. They came out of the tombs. And after Jesus' resurrection, they went into the holy city and appeared to many people. Wow. So, so you're telling me that all this took place and all of a sudden a great celebration took place? People broke it out and it became a Mardi Gras? At that time, people were partying? They were celebrating? The death of Christ was literally on an earth-shattering event. His birth split the heavens and as God became man, the angels sang and proclaimed the arrival of the Messiah. He is the Deliverer. At his death, there were no angels singing, no wise men bearing gifts. In fact, most of those closest to him had deserted him. Yet in his death, he brought life. His death brought the earth to life. The ground shook and the rocks split. His death brought the holy place to life as the curtain was split from top to bottom. His death brought the dead to life as many were raised from their burial places. His death conquered death overpowered it, crushed it, and dominated it. Glory! It's amazing. In this last cry from the cross, we see an incredible event take place. And one final important glimpse at the heart of the Savior. The timing of it all. What took place, how it took place. This comes literally moments after he utters the statement. It is. Now that payment has been made and the atonement is complete. He utters his final statement. Father, Father, into your hands I commit my spirit. Into your hands I commit my spirit. You know, when I was looking at scripture, it reminded me of just that moment back when the psalmist said in Psalms 31.5, into your hands, I commit my spirit. It was a prayer recognizing that God alone is our protector, He is our refuge, and He is our deliverer. It acknowledged that God was in control, suffering in anguish. Now on the cross with His dying breath, Jesus prays the same exact prayer again. And He says, Father, once again, he is addressing his Father. Not the holy and just God that demands that sin be atoned for, but his Father. The one with whom he has existed since eternity past. The one who loved mankind so much that they worked out this deal to redeem his wayward creation. Into your hands. Father, into your I just want to stop for just a minute because I really do believe that there's something profound about that sentence. Into your hands. I believe that the Father's hands actually represented creativity, blessing, faithfulness, even justice and healing. His hands can measure the oceans and seas, hold the winds and set the boundaries of space. Proverbs 30 verse 4 says, Who has gathered up the wind in the hollow of his hand? 
In Isaiah 40, 12, who has measured the waters in the hollow of his hand or with the breadth of his hand marked off the heavens? In the hands of God, we find justice and a place of trust. It also says in Psalms 111:7, the works of thy hands are faithful and they are just. What place can one commit themselves that is safer or more secure? Where could you go that you would be more protected from storms of life or the attacks of the enemy than in the hands of God? John 10 says this, No one can snatch my sheep away from me, for my Father has given them to me, and he is more powerful than anyone else. No one can snatch them from the Father's hand. I was watching Butch back there. We're singing, um, Hosanna, you know, praise is rising. So he wasn't waving the palm leaf. He had Brody up there like this. I'm like, (laughs) 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 you know, isn't it always funny that we we say, as he said, Father, into your hands I commit. Watch this. My girls, they're little. One of the fun things they always love to do, catch me, Daddy. Oh, brother. And so here they were. You could turn down the monitors just a little bit. So, and, and, and here they are. And, and you've all been there with your little ones because they love that feeling of, now what would happen if all of a sudden, as they jumped off that bed, or they were jumping in the pool, you just stepped back and said, ah, you got it. Gump! That wouldn't go over too well, would it? No. But here's what I love about children. They say, Daddy, you're going to catch me. And what opens up? Our hands. So all of a sudden, I can just picture, here this Christ on the cross. And as he's lining up in his despair, and he said, God, why have you forsaken me? Why have you forgotten me? And he then stopped and said, And, and I always picture, get out of the way, I always picture as Jesus is on the cross, the Father God just wraps his arms around him. Because he said, I commit into your hands. Just as my kids would jump into the water. And how many of you ever got tired doing that? Because they want to do it like 500 times. Yeah. And I'm thinking... I was tired after five. Can we, like, stop this game? This isn't fun for me, you know. And, but we realized that in the middle, in the moment, and I'm not making, making light of this at all, but in the midst of all of it, he said, Father, into your hands. Because he knew the safety that was there. He knew the security that was there. So he says, I commit my spirit. So what does that mean? So I, I was trying to think about commit. Okay, we know that you're looking, there's covenants and there's commitments and people are in relationships and marriages and we always say we're committed to each other. But I wanted to look the word up because it actually means to carry out, to pledge or to dedicate. To carry out, to pledge or to dedicate. So Jesus Christ didn't get up there and says, I'm sick of this. I've walked up the Via Della Rosa, I've been spit upon, I've been stabbed, they've offered me vinegar, all the things that they've done for me, and now all of a sudden, all I want to do is just quit. The world isn't worth it. My loved ones aren't worth it. 
But in the midst of his pain, he said, I am going to dedicate. I am pledging. That pledge that I took when I stood before the crowd, when I stood before Pilate, no matter what, I'm going to finish this clear to the end. So I, I thought I would do something, and I, I was watching some videos of just mankind trying in their humanity, trying to demonstrate, really, what was that like for him? We, how many of you have seen The Passion? If you've seen The Passion, you just see that, that sense of despair and and everything that he went through, and they, they depict like his eyes and the, the pain and, and he's tired and just everything that Christ went through for us. And yet I understood now, even uh, probably more than I did then, that he said, I'm fulfilling this covenant that I made for I came down here in human form to give the world life. And so he died for you and I. This is more than just saying, here I come. He said, I come. The Greek word means to present or to deposit. A trust for protection. Think about this. When I deposit money or a check at the bank, I'm trusting that they will hold my money safely for me until I ask for it. I trust them so much that I basically allow them to hold my life. They hold the money for my house payment, our utilities, our car payment, fuel, savings, vacation. Forget I was in Florida once, and I just got there. This is about seven years ago. No, maybe even longer, probably ten. I don't know. Time flies when you get older. And uh, so as I get there to the grocery store, I'm getting all of our groceries for the week. You know how most of us do that. You have to get the essentials and all that kind of stuff. There's my card, and swipe. Declined. And by the way, why does that happen when there's like 42 people behind you? And then they all do this number. Mm-hmm. And I just want to turn around and go, you've all been where I'm at. The sad part was, it was our first day of vacation. I'm going to do this again. Sir, it's declined again. It can't be. Try the paper thing. Put it in a bag. I don't care what you do. Just swipe away. I panicked. Thought I was going to have an anxiety attack. Fall down on the floor. Cry like a baby. That wouldn't have gotten our groceries. So I just kind of said, Please don't put the groceries to the side. Sir, what did you say? You want us to put your groceries to the side? <laughs> She's funny. We've all been there. Because we trust that the bank will do that for us. And all of a sudden, I called the bank, and they're like, all your money's in there. There must be a glitch with their system. I said, yeah, there must be a glitch with the system. You know, you save, you save, you save, you save, you save, you save, and you save some more to go on vacation. And you trust that when you go on vacation that you could use that fancy little card that now they say, could you please put it inside the machine? Do you have a chip, sir? Yes, I have a chip. And you hope that it clicks, you know, don't take it out till the end. All the things. It's all crazy to me. But what if they call one day and said, uh, we're sorry, but we accidentally threw out the shoebox that we're holding your money in. You'd all panic, wouldn't you? I'd be sunk. And their trust would be shot. I would say, you know what, enough's enough. But see, here's one thing that we can trust. 
In banking, we find the FDIC to assure us that what we've deposited is safe. But greater than the FDIC is the Father, for he holds our very lives in the palms of hand. Which leads us to the hands of our Father are safe and secure. And we see the result. Here's the background. At the moment, the curtain of the temple was torn in two from top to bottom. Bottom. And the background of the Holy of Holies, let me just kind of demonstrate for you how that the curtain separated the most holy place from the rest of the temple. The Bible says in Exodus chapter 26, verses 33 through 35, you don't have to turn there. But it says this, Hang the inner curtain from clasp and put the Ark of the Covenant in the room behind it. This curtain will separate the holy place from the most holy place. Then put the ark's cover, the place of atonement, on top of the ark of the covenant inside the most holy place. You see, at that time, access to God was very limited to God's people. And so they had to go to the high priest, and he was the one who actually stepped into the temple. He stepped into the holy place before you entered into the most holy place. And if you ever get an opportunity to go back, and, and who, who knows what the Ark of the Covenant is? Say it out loud. Who, who knows? Thank you. The Ark of the Covenant is where they put the Ten Commandments and they guarded it. And what hovered above it? A cloud. God the Father, the Holy Spirit was there. And he protected it. So all of a sudden, the priest would go in, and, and there's actually phases that if you're in the temple and you go into the holy place, there's different rooms that you had to actually go in. There was cleansing that took place. Cleansing that took place. And I'll prove it to you here in just a minute, because Moses actually speaks out to Aaron, and he tells him, listen, be very careful. So you do all the washing, you get your sacrifice prepared, and they went in for the blood atonement. And as they went in for the blood atonement, you know, you'd go into this room and then you'd prepare this room and then you'd wash up, you'd put your nice clothing on. And then from there you would uh, then get ready to go into the most holy place. Now you have to understand that what separated the holy place from the most holy place was you went in there, you had frankincense and uh, you were burning uh, incense and stuff. I'm ringing quite a bit here in the monitor. If you still turn that down, please. And uh, so what separated that there was we were... Um, as they were, now I got a little bit distracted, but as they went into the holy place, they would actually tie a rope around them. And if that holy priest, like I said, that's holy, that priest wasn't as holy as he should be, that God would strike him dead. And then they were afraid to go in the room, so they would pull him out by a rope. And that's how it was done. But you know what's amazing? They made that curtain beautiful. And if you look in Scripture, I mean, it was just it was sewn and it had just beautiful embroidery on there and all kinds of things took place on and through the most holy place. But that curtain is what separated mankind from God. The humanity of man. And so they had to go before the priest and he paid the sacrifice on behalf of the people. Are you with me? So the priest paid the sacrifice on behalf of the people. So, you see, access to God was limited. The Lord said to Moses, Warn your brother Aaron not to enter the most holy place behind the inner curtain whenever he chooses. If he does, he will die. 
the ark, for the ark's cover, the place of atonement is there. And I myself am present in the cloud above the atonement cover. Found in Leviticus 16.12. So we realize that access to God was limited. But number two, we also see that sacrifice had to be made. When everything had been arranged like this, the priests entered regularly into the outer room to carry on their ministry. But only the high priest entered the inner room. And that only once a year. And never, ever without blood. Ever. Which he offered for himself and for the sins of the people. For they had committed all of their sins with Israel. Hebrews chapter 9 verses 6 through 7. But when the one for all sacrifice of Christ was made and he cried out. It is finished. It is finished. Father into your hands I commit my spirit. The curtain. The separation. Was destroyed. So, you ask, what is so significant about the curtain? So let's remember what I said when we talk about the veil. Remember, the veil separated humanity from God. And as the priest went in to where the holy place was at, it separated us from the glory of God. And what I love about the veil and how it separates us is that we realize that Jesus Christ and His humanity, He said, it is finished. Father, into Your hands I commit my spirit. And it says then He gave up the ghost. What was so significant about the veil as it was that Jesus Christ was on the cross is that all of the sins of mankind were atoned for by a holy priest. And yet Jesus Christ, who loved us so much, went to a cross and said, I am the ultimate sacrifice. And He laid down His life for us. Church, no longer do we have to peek through a hole just to see the glory, the holiness of God. No longer do we try to just put our foot and, and get our body squeezed in to where the most holy place is at. One thing that Jesus did, and He said, it is finished. He said to Him, Father, into Your hands I commit my spirit. And immediately, the veil was rent in two. And immediately, we have freedom. And now we have the great opportunity to go to the throne room of God. We have the great opportunity to go to Jesus as He sits at the right hand of the Father and breathes and speaks on our behalf. No longer do we have to worry about paying our blood sacrifice for Jesus paid it on the cross. Isn't that wonderful? And we have life, church. Why have we become dead? He is alive, church. He is alive. Hallelujah. And now, we can just go to Him. It was torn in two. It was complete. Nothing remained to be done. He didn't tear a hole in that that we could peek through or a little opening that we could crawl through. 
He tore it in two so that we could walk into the very presence of Almighty God. Wow. From top to bottom, God did it. He didn't force our way in. He invited us in. As I conclude this message, in Hebrews chapter 10, it says, Therefore, brothers, since we have confidence to enter the most holy place by the blood of Jesus, by a new and living way, open for us through the curtain, open for us through the veil, that is, His body. And since we have a great high priest over the house of God, let us draw near to God with a sincere heart and full assurance of faith, having our hearts sprinkled to cleanse us from a guilty or an evil conscience, and having our bodies washed with pure water. Church, we have unlimited access to God the Father. Wow. Are you thankful to be a Christian? You don't have to have someone else make atonement for you. It's already been done. You don't have to wait on someone else to intercede for you. It's already being done. You've been invited in. And you are welcome. By tearing down the curtain, he is inviting you into what? A relationship with him. And what can you do next? You can draw near to God. You can enter enter into the presence of God. So as the praise team comes, and let me ask you just a, a couple questions as we close. Are you placing your safety and security in the hands of God or in something or someone else? On an incarnational level or a, a kingdom-minded level, as we speak on the kingdom of God, are your hands safe and secure for your spouse? your friends, those in need? Can you be trusted? Are you a refuge of trust and justice? Are you making good use of the access we have to the Father? Are you just peeking in for a glance? Are you taking, ac- are you taking advantage? And use of the access we have to the Father, are you just peeking in? Don't undervalue or fail to appreciate what took place on the cross. It was not just the death of an enemy of the state. It was not just the death of a misguided prophet. No, it was the death of a compassionate, forgiving Messiah who has offered you mercy and grace. By paying the penalty of your sins so that you might be adopted by the Father in safety and security in His presence. Would you come to him today? He says, if you accept me before man, I'll accept you before my Father, which is in heaven. But if you deny me before man, I'll deny you before my Father, which is in heaven. Would you step out and say, God, I need you more today than I've ever needed you. And I realize now I can come all on my own without any type of push from somebody else. Lord, I need you today. Lord, I'm going through so so many difficulties, through marriage marital problems, through financial problems, no matter what it is, God, I need you today. Father, I have hurts and hang-ups, and Father, I need you today. 
you believe that he truly was the Messiah? Listen, church. Here's the amazing grace story. He died for you so you would have life. And all you've got to do is now take that step of faith and say, I want to accept my Lord and Savior today. Let's all stand as we pray. Father, Lord, we realize that there was an offering that was paid. There was a sacrifice that was made. And Lord, we just pray that even this morning that we'll look in our own life and say, Father, we haven't sacrificed anything for you. We haven't even brought an offering of sacrifice before you. Oh God, help us today to just bring ourselves to you, to, to bow our knee and to say, God, use us today as, we, as we've heard the word spoke this morning. As the veil was torn in two, and no longer do we have to be concerned about that sacrifice of going to the priest, that Father, we can come before the throne room of God, and Lord, you can just pour out your spirit upon us. Oh Father, today, Lord, we just receive what you have for us. Lord, help us, mold us, make us to be more like you and less like us. Lord, this Easter season, Lord, help us to just, Lord, as, as we focus on you, help us, Father, to remember the suffering of the cross and what you went through and the things that you said were, were sentences that you wanted us to remember. Oh, God, there's many in this room that have needs. You know what they are. And God, as, uh, as I'm praying right now, Lord, and as you, you know the hearts of your children, Lord, would you just move within them and Lord, encourage them to move forward. Lord, they need you today. And Father, we just thank you that we can come to the cross. Lord, we can go straight to the throne. We can go to the most holy place. Lord, we can bask in your presence. But Father God, you are good. And you are holy. And you are righteous. Thank you for your son Jesus who gives us life. We ask this in his name.